Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God in this place today. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters when two or more are gathered in his name. He says that he will be in the midst of him. And I've just come to the place in my life that whenever I am gathered in the name, I don't care who it is. If I'm gathered in the name of Jesus, I'm expecting him to show up. I'm expecting his presence. I'm expecting miracles to jump off. I'm expecting revelation to go forth. Are you hearing me, people of God? And so we've got to continue to train ourselves to even raise up our level of expectation so that when we come around this word, things will happen. Amen. So that when we come around the word, we expect things to go forth and to break for us on our behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm excited tonight to continue in this word. There's there's just such an anointing, a fresh anointing that's on our house. Amen. For us to continue to grow in godliness. And I believe that we are in position to please God. Amen. And everything that we do. So let's jump into the word tonight. So we're in part four of this um, series on share your faith. Amen. Glory to God. And, and I want to start with first Peter chapter three. Praise God, as we always do. I'm going to jump right into this word. Amen. Are you ready for the word tonight? Hallelujah. First Peter chapter three, verse 15 says this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So we've been talking in this space around how to share your faith and really being ready to give a reason. And I asked you the question when we first started this series was, you know, why do you hope in Jesus? Amen. And you want to continue to just meditate on that and meditate on the miracle of God in your own lives, because it's that very miracle that will rise up in you and cause you to draw men unto you. Amen. People can see the difference. I think I was just talking to JW and he was just saying people was like, man, I don't even you didn't even have to say anything, but I can see something that's happening in your life and they want to know what's going on. Amen. But you got to be ready to give them a reason when they ask you, they'll see something on your life. But we got to practice even articulating uh, the miracle of God in our own lives, the miracle and the revelation of Jesus. Matthew 16. We, we've read this. We're going to read it one more time. Hallelujah. In 16, beginning at verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, I'm not even there. I just remember it. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Praise God. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say I, the son of man am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others, Jeremiah's or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but who do you say I am? In other words, who am I to you? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and told him, he said, blessed thou art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say unto you that thou art Peter and upon this rock. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We've taught that upon the rock of revelation, Jesus will build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it doesn't matter what area it doesn't matter, whatever area of your life you have revelation in the gates of hell are not. It's not going to prevail against it. It's not going to happen. I told you all the story about drinking, uh, getting a revelation about drinking coffee. Hadn't had a drop in 10 years because the gates of hell is not going to prevail against the revelation that I got about coffee in my prostate. Amen. My prostate is healthy. I'm not going to have uh, prostate cancer. That's not going down in me. Amen. Because I got revelation on that thing. Are you hearing me, people of God? Same thing with Jesus. When you get revelation of who he is. 
the gates of hell will not prevail against your belief and your reliance on his word and who he is. Amen. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. We understand Jesus to be uh, uh, fully God and fully man. Amen. And so when we get revelation of who he is and the, the saving knowledge and grace of who he is in our lives, the gates of hell will not prevail against our salvation. And it is the, the foundation. It is the breeding ground for growth. It is the breeding ground for increase. It is the breeding ground for going forth and accomplishing everything that God has set us out to accomplish on this earth. We got to get revelation of that and flow and continue to build on top of that revelation, which is a foundation. Glory to God. And so he he says, yep, yep, yep. I'm going to build my church upon this rock. Gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And he says, look, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, and verse 19, shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That means you got some authority. You got some say so of what's going on in your life because of your revelation of who Jesus is to you. You can call things that are not as though they were. Why? Because you got revelation of who Jesus is. That means you can speak things that are not as though they were. That means you can approach your everyday life. See, I I love this word because it's becoming alive to me as I continue to flow in the word. I can go to my job and say, no, 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 no. I got authority up in here. So, So I don't have to be troubled by the things that are going on in life when life hits me, when the wind blows, because I'm planted on the foundation of the word of God and who he is in my life. And I want you to know, people of God, that that's contagious. Yeah, that Christian swagger is contagious. Are you hearing any people of God? When people are able to see you walking with a level of confidence in the word of God and who you are in Christ, it's contagious. And when you're lifting up Jesus, he says, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so we got to get in about the business of lifting him up in our everyday lives so that people will be drawn unto him. That means on your job, you got to be prosperous and successful. Why? Because you have revelation of who Jesus is. You have the keys. You have been given the level of authority to prosper, to win in every area of your life. Hallelujah. Come on, Holy Ghost. John 10 verse 10 says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but look, I came that you can have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. So it's time out for the believers not fully operating and flowing in the power and the promises of God. Why? Because we have revelation. Hallelujah. So it's time for us to flow in revelation of who God is, who Jesus is, just what he did. I gave you those different components of the gospel message, who God is, who Jesus is. Are you hearing me, people of God, who who we are, who Jesus is, how he delivered us from the state of being sinners, from the state of being broke down, busted and disgusted to a state of being prosperous above and not uh, beneath the head and not the tail. That's the place that he has sacrificed for us to be. And that's the good news. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, 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 so on last week, we, we, we continued to flow in this evangelism message. And we talked about uh, the mandate. Um, we talked about the, uh, the motivation and the message for the gospel. Amen. Glory to God. So, so let me just do a quick recap. Hallelujah. Let me, let me calm down. Let me have a woo-sai moment. Praise God. I get excited. 
hallelujah, about this word because it's becoming alive to me more and more every day in my life. Every day that I spend time in the word, training, uh, physical training is good, but, but godliness is, tra- is, is better, amen. Training for godliness is better for and giving us benefits in this life and the next. So as I continue to develop and continue to grow in the word, I'm, I'm growing, I'm becoming stronger, I'm becoming better, I'm becoming greater, I'm becoming more godlike, I'm becoming in, uh, more, I'm coming into my own, I'm coming into my ability to be able to flow like God had made me to flow from the beginning. Oh, glory, I just said something. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so yeah, we talked about that, that motivation, that, that, um, that, that mandate, and, and then the message uh, for evangelism. And, and we know that we're mandated, according to Matthew 28, when we talked about the fact that we were commanded to preach the gospel. And then we, were, we covered the fact that we were entrusted with the precious gift and the good news of Jesus Christ. That's good news. Plain and simple, it's good news that we, all of us, were, were sinners. Amen. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin was death. But the good news is that Jesus came to be the propitiation of our sins, to move us out of a place, of, of, out of a destiny of sin, to a destiny of being saved and delivered. Are you hearing me? Bottom line, you can, you can figure out how to articulate it in a way that works best for you, but we've went over these basic principles of the gospel. Bottom line, I was destined to, to go to hell. I was destined to death by the original state of sin. But Jesus, my Lord and Savior, my my king, my everything delivered me from that broken state, from that place and restored me back. And he made me the righteousness of God, enabled me to come back into right fellowship, to have every benefit, every promise and fulfill every purpose that God has for my life. Bottom line, that's good news. Tell somebody that's real good news. So we've been entrusted with this good news. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And it's a precious gift. I can't make it happen on my own. I can't do it by works and going knocking on everybody's doors and things like that. It's not going to happen. I can't do that. I can't. We are saved by grace. Are you hearing me? The precious and freely gift of God is not because of anything that I did to deserve it. It's not because of anything that I worked up to make happen on my behalf. It's because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news. Hallelujah. So then we dug into this idea of being motivated. How many of you remember we broke down those eight components of Matthew four nineteen, where it says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Hallelujah. He said follow. So it was, a, it, it was a, a, a proclamation of action. We must proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. It, it, it was, you know, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. He said, it, it, he invited us into a relationship. Are you hearing me? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we, we broke that down and then we proceeded into the message of evangelism. I'm, I'm going to go kind of fast on the recap piece because we, we got a little more ground to cover tonight. Hallelujah. So we proceeded into this message of evangelism. We began to speak on three major actions for the message of evangelism. Number one was proclamation. And it, it, again, it's that we must proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to proclaim. So to preach the gospel, to proclaim, to declare Anytime you see in the Bible when somebody has preached the gospel and somebody was won over, and we're going to have a couple examples later on of, of how Paul had preached and Peter stood up and preached and 3,000 were added to the church and things like that. There was proclamation that was jumping off. 
They were preaching Jesus. Amen. So you have to proclaim Jesus. Number two was uh, 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 persuasion. Hallelujah. You got to be persuasive in this thing. And so even when I talk about coming to this greater level of revelation of who Jesus is so that you can see Jesus results on your life, that's that in of itself is a level of persuasion that's going to draw men into you. It's attractive. Amen. It's attractive to people who who say, well, man, you, you seem to have a level of peace. You all of this stuff that, that seems to be going on in the world is that's bothering everybody. How do you uh, keep your mind in Christ Jesus? How do you? Well, your answer is I keep my mind in Christ Jesus. He shall keep me in perfect peace. But but they, they, they see something. They see a peace about you. They see something they ought to see something on you that says man what is it that that keeps this person so calm and so grounded and so cool and collective in the midst of change in the midst of of governments um jacked up with funding and things like that and all this stuff that's going on in the world because we have revelation see it's all going to point back to revelation and who jesus is so so it's you got to be persuasive amen and then we begin to get into this thing called and, and I don't think I think we ran out of time right here. But the third um, element or, or action of the message of evangelism was presence. Somebody say the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Throughout every dispensation of time, God provides us uh, with his presence for a purpose. So God gives us his presence for a purpose. Somebody say he gives us his presence, us his presence. for purpose. I am just convinced that as believers, we still have a greater opportunity to tap in to the presence of God. And this requires a greater level of discipline on our behalf. And this is why we got to even continue our motivation, continue our training, because we got to be able to dig in to the presence of God. Part of that comes through reading your word, but part of that comes through your prayer life. Part of that comes through uh, building up the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But there's a greater um, anointing. There's a greater level of power. And I'm getting ready to prove it to you and show you throughout scripture that's attached to the presence of God. Even in Exodus chapter 13, when they were getting ready to go places and things as after they had delivered, um, the children were delivered through the Red Sea, uh, he set up clouds. I called them clouds of the anointing. And, and, and the people, uh, it was set up as a system like when the cloud moved, which represented the presence of God. It was like, when I move, you move. Are you hearing me? Somebody said just like that. You, don't, 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 don't. Okay, let's not get carnal with it. All right, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, just, but seriously, you know, those clouds were set up, you know, and whenever those clouds um, moved, the people had to move with the cloud. And so we got to get back. See, I just believe that, that as a society, as, as a country, uh, um, as a world, we're getting too far away from the presence of God. We're, 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 we're too much dependent on our own thing, but I don't want to be where we got to get back to like the old saints would say, I, if, if the presence of God ain't there, I, I don't want nothing to do with it. I don't want to be there. We got to get back to the place where we hunger and thirst after the presence and the righteousness of God and then, and then make decisions based on the presence of God. Is God present in this decision? Is God present in what he wants you to do? Is God present in your decisions? Glory to God, because see, there is power in the presence of God. There is deliverance in the presence of God. There is the fullness of joy that's attached to the presence of God. And we got to get back to it. Hallelujah. Let me prove it to you. I got Bible on it. Turn to John chapter one. We're talking about the presence of God. John chapter one, verse one says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Okay. Okay. So the presence of God, that means God's presence was there from the beginning. And I want you to understand that his presence was there for a purpose. Go to Genesis chapter one in the beginning. 
So in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So in the beginning was the presence of God. Amen. Genesis chapter one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So God was there in the beginning for the purpose of creation. Watch this. And the earth was without form and void and the darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved. Glory to God upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was everything that God said in the midst of creation. It was. Why? Because the presence of God was there. The spirit of God was there waiting to move and help God to create on his behalf. Okay, okay, keep, stay with me, stay with me. Okay, watch this, watch this, because there's a connection here. Turn to, glory to God. John chapter 16, verse 13. Glory to God. It says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. Okay, watch this, watch this. No, no, go, go back to John. John chapter 1, verse 14. I'm getting excited. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 14. Let me walk you through this. So John chapter 1, verse 1 said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen. John chapter one, verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father. Watch this full of grace and truth. Somebody say truth. So the presence of God is there to bring about truth. The presence of God is always there to reveal truth to you, to reveal direction to you, to show you the way. Okay, now go to John 16, verse 13. I got to walk you through this. So John 16, verse 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit and underline the word truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. Underline the word truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. That he shall speak and he's going to show you things to come. So the presence of God is also there to reveal truth, to give you direction, to show you where to go. So as it relates to evangelism, the presence of God will show you who to talk to. If you if you train yourselves to hear, if you train yourself to respond, the presence of God will say, go talk to that brother over there. Go talk to that sister today. Why? And when there's where there's presence, there's power. Oh, I got Bible on it. Let's go to Acts, baby. Hallelujah. Acts chapter one, verse eight says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. After that, the presence has come upon you. You're going to receive power. Hallelujah. And you shall be witnesses. Now watch this. I told you that the presence comes for purpose. The presence always comes for purpose. So watch this. After that, you shall receive power. Acts chapter one, verse eight. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem. So now the presence came for the purpose of giving you power, but power for the purpose of giving you the ability to be witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But here's the thing. We got to tap into the presence as believers. We got to tap into the presence. Look, look, look. See, see, we, we got to get over fear and get over all of these things because the Bible says as they went, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. So, baby, when you when you begin to step out on faith and begin to do things that please God, I want you to understand that there's a greater level of presence that's attached to that thing. I want you to understand that there's a greater level of anointing. I'm getting ready to prove it to you in this Bible. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I hope you all getting something out of this. Go back, go, 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 go back to Matthew 28. Great commission. So watch this. The presence brings power and the power brings results. So go back to Matthew 28. 
He says in Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, look, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. So this going back to this mission, going back to this great commission that we have, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Oh, there's a correlation to presence, power and Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, watch this. I am with you always. So what is he saying? He says, I am present. My presence is going to be with you. But I'm waiting on you to do my work. I'm waiting on you to walk. I'm waiting on you to be willing to go. Be the one that say, as they went. Watch this. As they went, they were healed. Watch this. As they went, they received results. As they went and talked to the sister, they received results. Are you hearing me? As they went, there was an increase. Oh, I'm going to prove this to you in the Bible. Hallelujah. There was people added to the church as they went. Hallelujah. And I just, I, 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 I need you to get this because see, there is a greater level. There's a greater level of unction. There's a greater level of authority that's attached to our ability and our willingness to step out on faith, past our fears and go. Hallelujah. People say they want the power. They want the presence of God. But you got to be willing to step out on God. You got to be willing to go. You got to be willing to hear from God and lay hands on the sick so they shall recover. You got to be willing to hear from God and go so that these signs and wonders, watch this, these signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. So watch this. You, the, the, the signs and wonders can't follow you if you're not going anywhere. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So if you're going to be an effective evangelist for Christ, you're going to need his presence. Hallelujah. In his presence. Psalm 1611 says, thou will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. Exodus thirty three fourteen, And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. John 14 and 16, he says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever, that he may be present with you forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, God's presence in your life is to be used to draw more men unto him. God's presence in your life is your power to fulfill his purpose in your life. I just said something. God's presence in your life is uh, your ability. It's your power to fulfill his purpose in your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Praise God. So as we talk about this presence, so that was the third uh, uh, component, if you will, of the message of evangelism is that you need the presence for the message to be effective, for the message to come across. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory to God. You need his presence. So. The next piece of this is digging more glory to God into the, the purpose and, 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 and allowing him to, to use us, if you will. Um, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, I'm reading this in the King James first, um, uh, verse 1. So 
2 Corinthians 3, verse 1, upper room. Hallelujah. So this is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, look, do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? He says, watch this. You are epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So what he's saying is, look, when there's a transformation that's taking place in your heart, it'll show up and ring and prove as evidence of what God has done and the power of God in your life. And so even though I might be the evangelist at times that have shared the message with you, it ain't got nothing to do with me, really, because it's about the heart transformation that's taking place is what Paul is basically saying. Let me read it to you in the NLT because y'all looking at me so y'all can understand it even more. Um, It says in verse one in the NLT, it says, are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or 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 who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? It says surely not. No, the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts that everyone can read and recognize the good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written, I'm going to go a little further in this NLT. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Now watch this verse 4 says, we are confident of all this because our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. See, the new covenant is getting back to this good news. See, old school, they had to go kill a, a cattle or do something, and they had to keep doing it every time they sinned. It wasn't good enough. But Jesus Christ being the propitiation of our sins was the once and for all, showing the ended of it all, that conquered sin, that conquered death, that restored us back for good. Hallelujah. This is the new covenant. So this is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. See, that's good news. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. So the good news is that the spirit of the living God gives you life to the full till it overflows. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So what, 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 what are we going to do with all of this? What are we going to do with all of this? Because, see, we, 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 we anointed, we've been redeemed, we've been restored we, under the new covenant. You understand what I'm saying? What, what, what are we going to do with all of that? How do we understand our ability to flow in all of that? Tonight, I want to give you six biblical styles of evangelism. And I want to talk a little bit about the power of our testimony. So six biblical styles of evangelism. Let's walk through this in these next 15 minutes. Praise God. And I want to share a quote on this that I think will help us. And actually turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. And and, in upper room, I don't know if you all have this in the... uh, the CEV, the Contemporary English 
uh, version of the Bible. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 4. It says, and if you don't have it, okay, good, they got it. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But they all come from the same spirit. There are different ways to serve the same Lord. And we can each do different things. Yet the same God works in all of us and helps us in everything we do. Now jump to verse 11. But it is the spirit which does all this and decides which gifts to give each of us. So what that says is that Pastor Keisha might have a different flavor and flow to her life than Pastor Twan. Sister Jane might flow a different way than Sister Adria. Are you hearing me? Just because they have different giftings, different abilities, it doesn't mean that they have to try to mimic one another and be like one another. Sister Jessica don't have to be like Pastor Keisha. Pastor Keisha don't have to try to be like Pastor Twan. Pastor Twan don't even have to be like his wife, amen. Because there's a different anointing that's attached to our life that comes from the same God. And what I want you to understand is that as believers, there are specific people with specific, that that you have specific assignments that are are waiting for you to be able to come to them. And there's some people that Pastor Twan can reach that I'll never reach. There's some people that I can reach that God has called for me to reach that he'll never reach because we have different assignments in the body. But we got to learn how to embrace what God has given us. We got to learn how to embrace the testimony that we have in our own lives. And no, and, 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 and here we go. We got to flow in the presence of God. Be directed by the power of Holy Spirit so that we can begin to impart into the people that God has called us to impart into. So, 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 so six biblical styles of evangelism. Hallelujah. Number one. Confrontational. Turn to Acts chapter two. Glory to God. Confrontational. Yeah, sometimes you got to confront some folk. Mm-hmm. I got Bible on it. Some of y'all non-confrontational folks are like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Now, that might be your vein, though. Some folks, their vein is straight confrontation. Hey, here we go. And God graced them like that for a reason. I'm going to show you an example of it. So Acts chapter 2, glory to God. So in Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Now drop down to verse 12. It says, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another. What what this mean? Verse 13 says, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. 
In other words, these cats are drunk. What is going on? They acting crazy. I don't understand this. They drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea. And all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk. They ain't drunk. It's too early to be drunk. People don't get drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. See, people, can I just read to this thing? If you read NLT, it'll tell you that he was referring to nine o'clock in the morning. All right. Look, people don't get drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. See, back in the day, they didn't get drunk at night. They waited till later. Look. See, see, I, I was reflecting on this too. You know, y'all remember the, back in the day, can I just be real with some of y'all? The, the liquor store didn't open on Sundays. Oh, come on, y'all say, folks. Y'all, y'all know y'all ain't always been safe. Look, the liquor store didn't open on Sundays back in the day. But see, we, 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 we can't, right, they had to go get it on Saturday. Can I, I got one real person. I got one real person in the room tonight. They had to go get it on Saturday, Amen. <laughs> So Peter's like, look, hey, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Ain't nobody drunk. But look, this is what was happening. He had to confront their bogus beliefs about the move of God that was happening. And sometimes in this realm of evangelism, God will call you to be confrontational to say, hey, that ain't right. You you got this thing wrong. I got to say something about it. Are you hearing me? So Pete had to confront them. See, this is the same cat that was cutting folks' ears off and things like that. You know, Pete was ready to sling them things all the time. So look. And there's some of y'all that's got that rough edge on y'all, and that's cool. I want y'all to understand that. She's she passing Monique like West Side. That's good. Because God will use that West Side. Are you hearing me? God will use that West Side. God will use that Wild Hunted sometimes, too. I'm from the South Side. <laughs> sometimes you got to confront. Are you hearing me, people of God? Glory to God. So, 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 come, 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 come back, come back. So Peter confronts the bogus conceptions about the work of God. And if you keep reading, we're not going to go through all this tonight, but I want you to look at this with different lens in your own time. Peter goes on and then he preaches Jesus. So going back to those other points, he proclaims, he persuades them of what's really going on. And then the presence of God, which was already there, but then the presence of God prevails because Peter gave way to the word of God. He gave way to the gospel of God. So watch this, watch this. The result, when he was finished in verse 37, they said, look, man, what shall we do? To be saved. The result in verse 38, his response was, look, again, we talked about this component of the gospel and what must your response be? Right. When we talked about those four components, what must your response be? It's always got to be a call to action. So so Pete says, look, repent in verse 38 and be baptized. Every one of y'all. He was still confronted. Look, every one of y'all repent and baptize every one of you. There was a proclamation of Jesus. There was persuasion. And then the presence of God was there because in verse 41, it says 3000 were added to the church that day. Why? All because Pete was willing to go forth and say, man, I got to say something. 
man, I got to confront this bogus situation. See, some of y'all are confrontational. Some of y'all need to use that West Side, use that Wild Hunters, and be confrontational when you're hearing bogus things being said about your God. There are some times where God is going to call you to be confrontational. And you got to get that on the inside of you. You got to get yourself trained up to know, to be in the presence of God, to receive the direction and the unction of the Holy Spirit of God, to know, nope, I got to say something. Ah! I got to yell red at a green concert this time. I can't let this ride this time. I got to be confrontational. Somebody say confrontational. Glory to God. The next one is for some of you calmer folks. Is the intellectual. So the next style of biblical uh, evangelism is intellectual. With your Bibles in hand. Turn to Acts chapter 17. Hallelujah. So this is Paul. Beginning at verse 16. So Paul at Athens, it says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. And when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and some said, what will this babbler say? Other, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus. See, to some folks in this intellectual realm, when you preach Jesus, it's going to seem strange. Because they don't know, they don't understand. It does not line up with their intellectual makeup, with their own understanding. But we know by the word of God that we are to lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways, we have to acknowledge him. But to some folks, you know, in this intellectual space, they're so steeped on their own knowledge. And so what this shows, and I'm not going to go through it all. You got to study it in your own time. But the intellectual style here of Paul was like, look, he reasoned with them. He was able to flow with them. There are some of you that that like to read all of the philosophers and Aristotle and things like that. And I, I, I got you. I don't have the patience for all of that, but I got you. There's some people out there that God has called for you uh, to be able to minister to. Are you hearing me? There's some intellectuals that's waiting for you to talk to them about Aristotle and talk to them about, um, you know, uh, the Big Bang Theory and all of that and, and, and learn how to wrap that thing up and show them how how God is the scientist. Oh, come on now. You see, anyway, so you might want to describe it as a Big Bang Theory, but God was the scientist that caused the Big Bang to go into motion. OK, uh, OK, some of y'all intellectual folks, because see some of that that's going over some of our heads. Amen. Myself included. Praise God. But. Um, <laughs> Intellectual. So that's so. So we're going we're going to hit that. So that that's intellectual. Now now I want to give you um, the interpersonal style of evangelism. Glory to God. Go to Luke chapter five. Hallelujah. So Luke chapter five. Interpersonal. I'm gonna hit you real quick with this uh, verse twenty seven. It says, and after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. No, he didn't a publican. Okay, let's keep going. 
sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up and followed him. So we're talking about Jesus that told the publican, the publican, that's a sinner. In case y'all didn't know, that's a sinner. And, and he said, he, he left them up, rose up and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. So the, the sinner made Jesus a feast in his crib. And there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples saying, well, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Uh, they that are whole need not a physician, Jesus says, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So here's this interpersonal thing working. Jesus is like, look, yep, I'm going to have uh, lunch with them. See, some of you, you got to get past your, your space. Some of you just got this whole interpersonal thing. I think that's Pastor Keisha's name. She just, you know, like to move and shake and interpersonal. Sometimes I don't want to be bothered, but, you know, that, that, that might be her lane. You know, the super interpersonal thing to be able to move and shake and talk to people and, and, and give them an extra bit of time a day, man. So, so that might be your, the way that you flow. We're talking about different styles, and all of us are so diverse, and that's the beauty of the body of Christ, because there's some specific people that need a Pastor Keisha to sit down with them. That meet when they, and, and, and really all of us, to be honest, we, we probably need to push ourselves, even some of us that might be a little bit more uh, introverted at times. We've got to push ourselves, because uh, what Jesus did was he, he broke down certain barriers of what the religious Pharisees would say. And you know the Pharisees, they just wasn't fair, you see, because, see, they was always tripping over dumb stuff, but Jesus always had a bigger plan in motion. So this was this interpersonal thing that was working and he sat down and he had lunch with the, you know, at at Levi and them crib. Right? So interpersonal workings. And so through that midst of of you willing to give of yourself, again, you got to have the presence. Again, you got to be directed by Holy Spirit because some of y'all don't, nah, you don't need to do it. Just real talk. Some of you can't handle that. But some of you are called to be interpersonal, to flow, to sit down and have lunch with with sinners and things like that. And, and we and you see God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So remember when we talked the first week, we talked back to the heart of God. We all must get back to the heart of God and everything that we do as we continue to grow ourselves in godliness. See, what happens is this message about growing yourself in godliness and evangelism is going to shake um, all the, the negative and bogus stuff off of your life, the bogus ways that you had of thinking because the word of God corrects us. So even if I looked at a certain way at sinners and publicans, if you will, uh, the word of God will shake that perception and cause me to flow the way that God wants me to flow. That's why the presence is important. That's why the direction of Holy Spirit is important because I got to flow the way God wants me to flow. God may want me to step outside of my comfort zone for that day. Yep, I might normally be an intellectual, but God might say, nope, today you're going to be confrontational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are natural tendencies in certain ways, but you got to be flexible to flow with what God's needing you to do at that given time. Why? Because on the other end of that might be 3,000 waiting to be added to the church in one day. 3,000, one day. That's the power of the presence. Glory to God in heaven, of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, I'm out of time tonight. Uh, so we will finish this. Glory to God. We, so we got through a few of these. Um, what did I give you tonight? confrontational. So I gave you half. Okay. All right. Y'all going to come back next week to get the other three. Praise God. Clap your hands and give God praise for the word.